Hare Krishna. Vanchakalpat rubyas chakripasindu bi ebacha patitanam bhavanebio vaishnavavio namo namaha. So welcome to the continuation of Srimad Bhagavatam, 12th Canto, and today we are beginning Chapter 2. Uh, chapter 1 was a little hard to get through, it was mostly uh, genealogies of kings and things like that, but managed to have some fun. But anyway, now it gets a little more interesting, I hope. Uh, chapter 2, uh, that BBT, it's called The Symptoms of Kali Yuga. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's title is Description of Kali Yuga. Uh, I, I think the original text doesn't have chapter titles, so they're supplied by commentators and, and uh, uh, so on. So, uh, chapter 2, again, I'm going to I'll read the chapter summary right at the beginning. And then I'll just go through and do a little uh, summary, uh, again go over the whole chapter, just to give you groups of texts where different things are discussed, and then we'll, we'll start reading the text. But we'll start this way, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So the chapter summary here supplied supplied uh, by the BBT. Uh, this chapter relates that when the bad qualities of the age of Kali will increase to an intolerable level, the Supreme Personality of Godhead will descend as Kalki, so that's at the end of the chapter, <laughs> to destroy those who are fixed in irreligion. After that, a new Satya Yuga will begin. As the age of Kali progresses, all good qualities of men diminish and all impure qualities increase. Atheistic systems of so-called religion become predominant, replacing the codes of Vedic law. The kings become just like highway bandits and the people in general become dedicated to low occupations and all the social classes become just like shudras. All cows become like goats. All spiritual hermitages become like materialistic homes, and family ties extend no further than the immediate relationship of marriage. When the age of Kali has almost ended, the Supreme Personality of Godhead will incarnate. He will appear in the village of Shambhala, in the home of the exalted Brahmana, Vishnu Yasha, and will take the name Kalki. He will mount his horse, Devadatta, and taking his sword in hand, will roam about the earth, killing millions of bandits in the guise of kings. Then the signs of the next Satya Yuga will begin to appear. When the moon, sun, and planet Brihaspati enter simultaneously into one constellation and conjoin in the lunar mansion Pushya, Satya Yuga will begin. In the order of Satya, Trecha, Dwarpa, and Kali, the cycles of four ages rotates in the society of living entities in this universe. Uh, 
The chapter ends with a brief description of the future dynasties of the sun and moon coming from Vaivasvata Manu in the next Satya Yuga. Even now, two saintly kshatriyas are living who at the end of this Kali Yuga will reinitiate the pious dynasties of the sun god Vivashvan and the moon god Chandra. One of these kings is Devapi, a brother of Maharaj Shantanu, and the other is Maru, a descendant of Ichvaku. They are biding their time incognito in a village named Kalapa. So that's a summary of the chapter. Uh, f- f- uh, if you want to take a few notes, uh, anyway, f- uh, the way I've, I've grouped the, the verses in this chapter, uh, text 1 through 16 basically goes over some of the the evils of Kali Yuga. And then uh, from 17 to 25, then it describes Kalki. So that happens fairly early in the, the text. It describes Kalki and the end of Kali Yuga, the last Kalki avatar. Uh, and then... Uh, th- then... You get this interesting sort of little interlude of ten, uh, text 26 through 36. Gives a kind of chronological overview uh, of the same area with astronomical datings. They mention this in the, the uh, chapter summary too, where the different planets are and what nakshastras and, and so on. Then uh, uh, text 37 and 38 will then describe uh, these uh, the uh, two uh, uh, Devapi and Maru, the two Kshatriyas, who are hiding out in the village of Kalapa. They're there now. Kalapa is up near Badrik Ashram, somewhere in the Himalayas. And uh, these two people have been mentioned in the Ninth Canto a couple of times. And also uh, something as at, at Kalapa is where uh, uh, Narayana Rishi relates to all the sages the prayers of the personified Vedas, which we that happened at that village, Kalapa. Oh, it's an important place. Then uh, after that narration of, of of the return of the kings, <laughs> nice title. Uh, the you know so you get the Sun Dynasty is back in, in action again. Uh, then you get from uh, uh, 39 to 44, or to the end of the chapter, a kind of meditation on the indomitable force of time. That's, the, that's the, what happens as we, we go through this. So we'll start now with uh, the first text. Uh, I'll read it in Sanskrit first. Shri Shuka Uvacha Tataschanu Dinam Dharma Satyam Shaucham Shamadaya Kalena Balina Rajan Nankshatyayur Balam Smitihi. The running translation here goes uh, Shukadev Goswami said, Then, O king, this is remember Shukadev Goswami is talking to Maharaj Prikshit. Uh, then, O King, religion, truthfulness, cleanliness, tolerance, mercy, duration of life, 
physical strength and memory will all diminish day by day because of the uh, powerful influence of the age of Kali. That's uh, the translation. There's a very long purport, uh, but uh, first let's just go over this and then we'll look at the purport. Uh, the verse begins, uh, tatascha. Uh, you see in the word for word this cha, and the, the, the a and cha goes with chanu dinam, but it's tatascha. Tatascha means, and then, <laughs> and then, so what is and then? Well, uh, this carries on with the last two verses of the, the previous chapter, which said, these barbarians in the guise of kings will devour the citizenry, murdering innocent women, children, cows, and brahmanas, and coveting the wives and property of other men. They will be erratic in their moods, have little strength of character, and be very short-lived. Indeed, not purified by any Vedic rituals, and lacking in the practice of regulative principles, they will be completely covered by the modes of passion and ignorance." I mean, how long can we go on like this? Anyway, then the last text, the citizens governed by these low-class kings will imitate the character, behavior, and speech of their rulers. Harassed by their leaders and by each other, they will all suffer ruination. And then, okay, so here we are now. <laughs> After that depressing uh, uh, and realistic... Uh, so that's and then, and then there's a list of anudina, literally means anu is after and dina is day, but anudina means day after day, the, the expression anudina, day after day. And then there's a list of things that uh, become ruined, uh, and that, that list is uh, uh, dharma. Uh, in the word-for-word word religion, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, it's bigger than religion. I mean, you can't translate the word dharma, really, that which is to be done. Uh, but we, in a, you know, now the religion is something set up separate from your life. So dharma means what you're supposed to do according to the codes of Shastra. So call it religion. So dharma or duty, or proper behavior, all those things. Dharma, these are the things that decrease day after day. Right? Day after day, uh, and then satyam, truth, or truthfulness, which is different than truthiness. Truth. Have you noticed? Sautyam, <laughs> cleanliness. Shama, tolerance. We'll go back to that word because uh, people, the, the word has different kind of meanings. Daya, uh, mercy. And then uh, Kalena, Bhalena, by the strong force of time. We, we've been looking at this. this uh, uh, they will become ruined. Nakshati. Uh, and then they mention a few other things. Ayu, Balam, Smitri. Ayu is duration of life. This is where you get Ayurvedic. It's meant to Ayur. Duration of life, Balam. 
strength and smriti, memory. Hmm? So the word here for uh, 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 shama, tolerance, uh, uh, Prabhupada elsewhere translates this word as tolerance and forgiveness uh, or patience. Uh, the kind of sense of tolerance is really uh, uh, forbearance. Uh, in, the, in the Sanskrit dictionary, it gives patience, forbearance, indulgence, that is allowing things to happen. And it mentions in the, in the Mona Williams dictionary, it's one of the samanya dharmas, uh, samanya dharma, a dharma for every caste. This should be shama this tolerance. And, and what, what, it, what it really means is a forbearance. And the word forbearance was in English originally a, a legal term. And it meant the abstinence from enforcing what is due, like the payment of a debt. Somebody owes you money, you don't come after them, you don't have, yeah, okay, forget it, you know. That's forbearance. When you you have a right to collect or retribute or make trouble for somebody because they've done something wrong to you, you you let it go by. So that's the actual idea of shama, this tolerance or forgiveness. That's why he says forgiveness or sometimes patience. You know, you're just not disturbed. Um, uh, then uh, when you see this. Uh, uh, this list of things that go down. Now, earlier in the Bhagavatam, in the first canto, we had uh, in Kali the f- four legs of dharma, uh, tapa, socham, daya, and satyam, austerity, cleanliness, mercy, and truthfulness. Uh, and this is in uh, 117.24. And there, there it's mentioned that these are destroyed by pride, uh, uh, illicit sex, and intoxication. Uh, smaya is, is, is here pride. For, for what's translated as illicit sex by Prabhupada is Sangha. And I looked it up in the dictionary. Sangha just means meeting, you know, but that. <laughs> Uh, and then mudda, intoxication. Uh, and the Prabhupada writes in the purport to 117.25, uh, uh, he says, uh, by pride, either, either artificial or real, in other words, you have, really do have something to be proud of or you're just making it all up, <laughs> but by pride, either artificial or real, the resultant action of austerity is spoiled by too much affection for female association, or the opposite, well, not even for sexual activity. Cleanliness is spoiled. Uh, uh, By too much addiction to intoxication, mercy is spoiled. And by too much lying propaganda, truthfulness is spoiled. So these are the uh, those things uh, uh, that that uh, uh, disappear. So here's another list of these uh, these different uh, uh, factors that disappear. Now, the purport. 
This is a long purport. I happened to be in Miami where the people who were working on this were there. Hridayananda Maharaj was the main person on the team. But then uh, Gopi Puranadana was there and Jarvita were, were uh, doing these last translations. And uh, they were, they had sent this in already and the BB, they, they had just had fairly brief purports here for this part and the BBT in Los Angeles wanted them to get heavier about this write heavier purports so you can see the first six verses there these heavier purports uh, somewhat close to rants uh, and they go on for about uh, 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 six texts and then they quit. They they couldn't do it, <laughs> handle it anymore. That's why it has that the inside story of why this is like that. <laughs> so here, uh, remember, mentioning all these things that shall disappear. So in the purport, it begins. I feel obliged to read this purport. During the present age, Kali Yuga, practically all desirable qualities will gradually diminish, as described in this verse. For example, dharma, which indicates a respect for higher authority that leads one to obey religious principles, will diminish. In the Western world, theologians have been unable to scientifically present the laws of God, or indeed God himself. And thus, in Western intellectual history, a rigid dichotomy has arisen between theology and science. Prabhupada calls it a science of self-realization, but here it's a fact. We do have this, you know, there's science which is value neutral, and there's theology which has, science has to do with truth, uh, theology has to do with beliefs. In an attempt to resolve this conflict, some theologians have agreed to modify their doctrines so they conform not only to, to proven scientific facts, but even to pseudo-scientific speculations and hypotheses, uh, though, which, though unproven, are hypocritically included within the realm of science. On the other hand, some fanatical theologians disregard the scientific method altogether and insist on the veracity of their antiquated sectarian uh, doctrines. Uh. The worst are full, I'm quoting William Butler Yeats uh, describing this age, the worst are full of passionate intensity, while the best lack all conviction. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what happens now. Thus bereft of systematic Vedic theology, material science has moved into the destructive realm of gross materialism, while speculative Western philosophers have drifted into the superficiality of relativistic ethics and inclusive linguistic analysis. Yeah, I ha- I studied linguistic analysis when I was a philosophy major in college. You know? What is the meaning of ought? Well, I had the whole book of it and a class in it. Uh, 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 this is what I do. You should do it too. That's basically the meaning of ought. You know, the, the ought means the uh, in doing what you 
injunctions, right? Uh, do the, I do this, you should do it too. That's all. Nothing more. No way to establish it. Because, again, who's the authority? Who says so? Who sets up the values? Who says, you know? So these, you know, there's a point here. With so many of the best Western minds dedicated to materialistic analysis, naturally much of the Western religious life separated from the intellectual mainstream is dominated by irrational fanaticism and unauthorized mystics and mystery cults. People have become... and You have to say that Prabhupada wanted this science of God. That is to say, something that gives you direct perception, experience, knowledge, but that is repeatable. Here's the procedure, you follow it, you'll get it. It's not the idea of mystics, somebody has a special revelation and then announces it to everybody else, but nobody else has that special revelation. Uh, so, so and it comes off the mountaintop. I see and this is the word of God, and you know, and you either accept them or don't accept them. Just based on who knows what. Anyway. People have become so ignorant with, of the science of God that they often lump the Krishna consciousness movement with this odd assortment of fanciful attempts at theology and religion. When this was written, we were, you know, still there was this idea of cults and deprogramming, and uh, the BBT put out a little book called, booklet called Don't Lump Us In. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, 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 thus, uh, dharma, or true religion, which is strict and conscious obedience to God's laws, is diminishing. Yeah, because nobody can say what it is, or how it is, or how, anyway. Satyam, so now they go through and mention a few of these things. Satyam, truthfulness, is also diminishing, simply because people do not know what the truth is. Well, Steve Colbert had this uh, concept of truthiness. <laughs> Without knowing the absolute truth, one cannot clearly understand the real significance or purpose of life merely by amassing huge quantities of relatives or hypothetical truths. Shama, uh, tolerance or forgiveness, is diminishing as well because there is no practical method by which people can purify themselves and thus become free from of envy. Unless one is purified by chanting the holy name of the Lord in an authorized program of spiritual improvement, the mind will be overwhelmed by anger, envy, and all sorts of uh, small-mindedness. Thus, daya, excuse me, daya, daya, mercy is also decreasing. All living beings are eternally connected by their common participation in the divine existence of God. When the, this existential oneness is obscured through atheism and agnosticism, people are not inclined to be merciful to one another. They cannot recognize their self-interest in promoting the welfare of other living beings. In fact, people are no longer even merciful to them, their selves, themselves. They systematically destroy themselves through liquor, drugs, tobacco, meat-eating, sexual promiscuity, 
and whatever other cheap gratificatorial processes are available to them. We can, you know, things have progressed, actually, since this was written. <laughs> what was this written in the 90s, I guess, uh, 80s? Um, You have to look at that that date. That's the early one. I think it's the 80s. 84, 84 yeah. Wait, who did the 12th, 10th, and then the 11th? I think they did the 12th and then went back and, and did the 10th, right. Because of all these self-destructive practices and the powerful influence of time, yeah, it was the 80s. I remember now. I was there when they were... Uh, the average lifespan, I, your like Ayurveda, is, is decreasing. Modern scientists seeking to gain credibility among the mass of people often publish statistics supposedly showing that science has increased the average duration of life. But these statistics do not take into account the number of people killed through the cruel practice of abortion. When we figure aborted children into the life expectancy of the total population, we find that the average duration of life has not at all increased in the age of Kali, but is rather decreasingly, decreasingly, decreasing drastically. And then the footnote. According to the United States Statistical Aseps of 1984, there's the date right there in the bottom of the page, there were about 3.7 million lives births in the United States in 1982, and the average life expectancy at birth was 70.55 years. But when the 1.5 million abortions are added to the live birth, the average life expectancy for conceived children falls to 53 years. So that's one way you can do that. I should say, uh, I did have a college course once in uh, demographics, which turned out to be extremely revealing. You know, it was one of the easier math course requirements, so I took demographics. But as a matter of fact, uh, what you see uh, when countries industrialize is this increasing in life expectancy. And then people say, oh yeah, you know, in the olden days, if you were 40 years old, you were an old man. But the increase in life expectancy was life expectancy at birth. And then you average in a lot of infant mortality. So when infant mortality begins to decrease, then life expectancy, even though people are not actually, those that survive are still living the same amount of time. Mm. It's only fairly recently that it began to increase a little bit at the other end. But, but that's, that's, uh, that's, what, that's really what, what happens. And a lot of the infant mortality, they don't have any statistics for pre-industrial civilizations. <laughs> You know, you can only get, do guesswork. But when they started to keep these, these statistics, industrialization had already beginning. People were living in cities. And therefore, you had diseases like cholera, where, where the common water supply is polluted and things like that. So there was a really, uh, probably a higher infant mortality rate than there used to be even when people were living only in, 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 in rural settings. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. Uh, 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 you can really learn how to lie with statistics, by the way. Um, 
Finally, uh, the last two paragraphs of the purport, Bullam, bodily strength is also decreasing. The Vedic literature states that 5,000 years ago in the previous age, human beings and even animals and plants were larger and stronger. With the progression of the age of Kali, physical stature and strength will gradually diminish. This people have found out too. The army has a terrible time getting people who are physically fit, just enough to carry things. We don't walk, we drive. <laughs> and then we go, you know, after being lazy, like we go out, work out in the gym and spend a lot of money. But the, the, you have to really, you know, use your body to do things, um, including things like walking and all that stuff. Uh, so then finally, certainly Schmittry memory is weakening. In former ages, human beings possessed superior memory, and they also did not encumber themselves with terrible, a terrible bureaucratic and technical society as we have done. Thus, essential information and abiding wisdom were preserved without recourse to writing. Of course, in the age of Kali, things are dramatically different. We've already talked about this, how even in Plato, the invention of writing is thought as a sign of a decline and that people will no longer remember. And if you look back even in Lord Chaitanya's time, uh, like grammar, uh, all of Sanskrit grammar was reduced to, to sutras, very uh, uh, terse statements. Uh, why was it done? So you could remember them. You'd take these little kids and they would just chant the sutras without having any idea what they mean. But they would actually tell you all the rules of the grammar. And just, you know, you're starting at the age of five where you can't, can't understand much, but you remember everything. You chant them every day. It's described that, 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 that you go near a gulkula, it's like the sound of frogs croaking, all the, all the kids chanting their sutras, you know. Even the alphabet first they chanted, then they went to the, the, the grammar. And they'd memorize it. They'd be in their memory, be implanted. They'd know it the rest of their lives. And then they learn how to unpack it and use it. So it was all in their their minds. And, and so that's the idea. The Vedanta Sutra was sutras. Again, again, you reduce syllables. So that people committed to memory huge amounts of, of, uh, of material and, and didn't bother with writing things down. These are the the sutra car, the people that made the sutras. It says that a grammarian would re- rejoice at the at the at the saving of one syllable as he would at the birth of a son. You know, that's <laughs> this was like that to just keep it all as compressed as as follows, and then then you would you would you you would learn it. So people did have memories, and writing done, and now you know. The definition I had in graduate school of, of knowledge was knowing where to look it up. <laughs> so now we have, you know, instant access. I can just, you know, type in a few search words in my, 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 my laptop and find out where that was. I don't have to remember it anymore. So it's not really mine. Uh, so what we call progress may turn out to be just the opposite. 
Okay, so the next verse. The second verse describing uh, Kali Yuga. Uh, text 2 goes like this. Vitameva kala nirnam janmachara gunodayaha dharmanyaya vyavastayam karanam balamevahi. In Kali Yuga, wealth alone will be considered the sign of a man's good birth, proper behavior, and fine qualities. And law and justice will be applied only on the basis of one's uh, power. Uh, so, okay, so here, here again, uh, vittam, uh, yeah, means wealth, property, eva, Vittam eva. Eva emphatic means just that. Vittam and nothing more. Uh, and then kalo nrinam, in the age of Kali, among men. Uh, uh, and then you have this janmacharya gunodayaha, uh, a compound, uh, janma, birth. So here's the pregnancy, you know, good birth pregnant sense of the term. Uh, you know, like you say, he's a guy. You know, it doesn't mean just one guy. <laughs> special, you know. So, Janma, like that way, you know. Uh, Archara, uh, yeah, uh, proper behavior, good behavior, uh, proper conduct, you know, Acharya. Uh, and Guna, again, a proper, the pregnant sense of the term, good qualities, Udaya, uh, uh, the cause of, literally the cause of manifestation. Uh, so, wealth alone means that you got all these things. Hey, if you're rich, then you, you know, everything, you get credit for all those things. Huh? Uh, that's all. That's money. Money is it. That's all. And, as the old blues song has the thing, when you don't have well, when your wealth goes, nobody's your friend. When you're down and out, you have no good qualities at all, you know. <laughs> so we all know this. Uh, uh, and then, uh, this, this interesting uh, compound here, uh, uh, another uh, 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 list. Uh, uh, dharma nyaya vyavastayam, uh, uh, which they uh, dharma again uh, 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 religious duty. Uh, nyaya uh, nyaya here. Is, this is a hard word to translate. Here in the word for word, it's reason, uh, and then it's law. In the in the running translation. Uh, or law and justice, both of those things. The word nyaya uh, uh, basically means uh, a general or universal rule, a model, a system, a plan, the proper or fit manner of something. This is nyaya. And then, of course, it becomes to mean also a, a school of thought, logic. We're, we're a same plan of things is carried systematically through reasoning. So it's organized reasoning as nyaya. 
so that's the idea of the fit or proper manner of, of doing anything. And, and actually in Sanskrit, the word nyayena, nyaya in the instrumental case, uh, means in the right way or regularly or duly in the proper manner. And, uh, and the word nyaya also means a lawsuit, a legal proceeding. Uh, so that's why it's like that. So uh, uh, religious duty, it can mean reason, uh, uh, it can mean uh, uh, yeah, uh, ju- justice, uh, 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 proper behavior uh, in a social way. Uh, uh, and then the this word, uh, which they have, uh, viavastayam, viavasta, uh, is an interesting word too. It has lots of middle reasons, but uh, one meaning is legal decision or opinion, <laughs> or it means an established decision, statute, law, rule. Uh, so, so the in the, the establishment of uh, of dharma and nyaya. Uh, uh, all of this, how is this uh, established? Karanam, what brings it about? Balam, strength. If you got power, all those things, yeah, it's taken care of. Um, that's the only thing that counts is, is uh, force. Uh, that's what happens. Sound familiar? Clear <laughs> with these proceedings. Uh, how much time do we have left? Well, okay, let's all run through this uh, this this uh, purport. Let me see if Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has anything to say that's different. Yeah, same thing. Okay. Uh, the purport. In the age of Kali, a man is considered high class, middle class, or low class merely according to his financial status regardless of the knowledge, culture, and behavior. In this age, there are many great industrial and commercial cities with luxurious neighborhoods reserved for the wealthy. Things have progressed since 1984 also. On what we call gentrification, right? On beautiful street... We're in the... Of course, here we are sort of get the news from New York City, you know. And uh, everybody can't live there. Nobody can live there anymore if you're not rich, practically. They're just taking neighborhoods and uh, gentrifying them, as they say. On beautiful tree-lined roads with apparently aristocratic homes, it is not unusual to find many perverted, dishonest, and sinful activities taking place. No. <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked. <laughs> According to Vedic criteria, a man is considered high class if his behavior is enlightened, and his behavior is considered enlightened if his activities are dedicated to promoting the happiness of all creatures. Every living being is originally happy, because in all living bodies there is an eternal spirit spark that partakes of the divine consciousness of God. When our original spiritual awareness is revived, we become naturally blissful and satisfied in knowledge and peace. 
An enlightened or educated man should endeavor to retrieve his own spiritual understanding and he should help others experience the same sublime consciousness. It's there. Whatever you want, you already have. There's no need to make it. And if you know how to reach it, you know, it's unforgettable. The the experience of the presence of the divinity and of your own similarity with divinity, uh, once it happens, you can't doubt it. You can't doubt the existence of God any more than you can doubt your own. And then you have to don't have to worry. You know, and whatever happens uh, with the material body is of not much consequence. Your your state of happiness does not depend upon the course of material nature. And if it depends upon the course of material nature, no matter what your uh, you know your your, your gated community is. Uh, Death, old age, and disease are going to get in there. That will happen right through all your security. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes on. The great Western philosopher Socrates states that if a man is enlightened, he will automatically act virtuously. And Srila Prabhupada confirmed this fact. But in Kali Yuga, this obvious truth is disregarded and the search for knowledge Uh, and virtue has been replaced by a vicious animalistic competition for money. Those who prevail become the top dogs, in quotation marks, of modern society, and their consumer power grants them a reputation as most respectable, aristocratic, and well-educated. This verse also states that in the age of Kali, brute strength, Balameva, will determine law and justice. As a famous, well-known American politician remarked, if you're a star, you can get away with it. (laughs) We should keep in mind that in the progressive Vedic culture, there was no artificial dichotomy between the spiritual and public realms. All civilized people took it for granted that God is everywhere and that his laws are binding upon all creatures. The Sanskrit word dharma, therefore, indicates, therefore, uh, one's social or public obligations as well as one's religious duty. Dharma means an essential nature of something, that by which it is what it is. That's what dharma means. It's not something that's imposed from the outside. Uh, That's dharma. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, So it's not just your religious duty, you know, in this religious sphere, but your social, public obligation, all spheres of life. Dharma is there. Thus, responsibly caring for one's family is dharma, and engaging in the loving service of God is also dharma. This verse indicates, however, that in the age of Kali, Kali, the principle of might makes right will hold sway. This is also one of Plato's dialogues where the opposite side says justice is the rule of the stronger. Already, of course, that was coming in. And he was refuting it 
but uh, we finish in the first chapter of this canto we observed how the principle how this principle infiltrated india's past similarly as western world the western world achieves political economic and technological hegemony over asian lands Bogus propaganda was disseminated to the effect that India and in general all non-Western religion, theology, and philosophy are somehow primitive and unscientific, mere mythology and superstition. Which is, this is during the colonial period, period this hegemony took place. Although I have to say, uh, well, anyway, he'll go on. Fortunately, this arrogant, irrational view is now dissipating. Yeah. They, they're starting to realize, you know, when they got Sanskrit, they got something very superior to anything we had in the West. And people all over the world are beginning to appreciate the staggering wealth of spiritual philosophy and science available in the Sanskrit literature of India. Much of 19th century European and American philosophy was inspired by, in fact, the recovery of Sanskrit uh, literature. Schopenhauer read the Upanishads in a Persian con- <laughs> translation, in a, in a, in a, in a uh, German translation of a Persian translation of the Sanskrit. That's how it came down that way. Uh, you know, oh no, excuse me, a Latin translation of a Persian of the Sanskrit. He re- did read Latin, as everybody did who had a brain in those days. In Europe, anyway. So this was this was a big culture shock, and when they began to recover this more and more, it was quite something. In other words, many intelligent people no longer consider traditional religious, uh, Western religion or empirical science, which has virtually superseded religion as the official Western dogma, that is empirical science, necessarily authoritative merely because the West has politically and economically subdued other geographic and ethnic configurations of humanity. Thus, there is now hope that spiritual issues can be contested and resolved on a philosophical level and not merely by crude test of arms. Because that's the idea. If we can, we can defeat you militarily, you must be inferior. End of the story. Next, this verse points out that the rule of law will be applied unequally to the powerful and the powerless. Good summary of that. Already in many nations, justice is available only to those who can pay and fight for it. How much justice can you afford? I've heard that. Your lawyers, you lawyer up, right? With expensive, well-connected lawyers, yeah. In a civilized state, every man, woman, and child must have equal and rapid access to the fair system of laws. In modern times, we sometimes refer to this as a human right, as human rights. Certainly, human rights are one of the more oblivious, ob- excuse me, one of the more obvious casualties of the age of Kali. So that's the end of that. All too familiar recitation, and since this was written it has become even more the case. So I will stop there and we will continue uh, with the next uh, 
uh, admiration of things that we have seen ourselves <laughs> right here with text three. So now we'll pause to see if there are any questions or comments. And we will eventually get to our remedy too. So if you're on Mayapur TV, you can ask a question by typing in a question into the chat box to the right of the screen. Or you can type in a question into the chat box on Ravinder Subaru's website, which is rsdasa.com. And if you're on the phone, you can press star six, and that will unmute yourself so you can ask a question that way. Um, there's no questions quite yet, but I'll just add a comment. Yeah, Earlier on, you were mentioning about um, with data, you can prove anything. And mm-hmm. I remember a class I had in my undergraduate days, an environmental science class, and, and I had a very pessimistic professor, but actually he was extremely smart and that's why he was so pessimistic um and he did that with us for a good few weeks that we that was our assignment to actually take different data sets and prove one thing and then prove the opposite with the same same set of data so Uh so that was very interesting yeah i even saw i had a book once called how to lie with statistics Just the wealth alone will be considered the sign of a man's good birth. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see this a lot in circles where I, um, uh, in my technology consultants, so I work with businesses and I attend a lot of times these networking events mm-hmm. and stuff like that in order to drum up business, you know. And in these events, you see a hierarchy of like, I guess, people, like certain people looking up to other people and all this stuff. And it is all just based upon how successful you are mm. in, in business. And so and, and so much, it goes so far as to see people almost like taking, uh, like aspiring to be a disciple, so to speak, of a guru mm-hmm. who is just merely successful business yeah, person. Sure. And a, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, people do that. They, they, they monetize. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, bec- they become, they become, uh, TED Talkers and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how they did it, and yeah. and then you can do it too, and all this yeah. other stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it's used often as proof sometimes too. Like this person, you know, you should listen to them. Why? Well, because look how successful he was with his money making. You know, because well, that that you know that uh, I mentioned this before, but that 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 has been uh, Max Weber. Uh, in the early 20th century, the spirit of cap- the, the uh, uh, Protestant ethic and the spirit of capitalism uh, that 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 wealth is proof that you have God's mercy, mm-hmm. and that's still around in the, these uh, prosperity gospel churches and things like that. Uh, that 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 uh, it's, it's proof that of of not just something wonderful but something supernatural mm-hmm. you know that that somehow you you've got some kind of magic power or, or, or something like that yeah on the on the prosperity gospel topic i was watching a documentary about some of these prosperity gospel churches one in south africa and um you know a very wealthy pastor obviously and having multiple homes and 
multiple vehicles and a full entourage of security all the time and and his congregation were all very poor people and giving everything that they had to this church and they were interviewing the congregation members saying like you see how he's basically just taking your money and like why do you keep doing this and they said well we want to be successful we want to be wealthy why would we follow somebody who's not wealthy this is just how he got his wealth but it's not like there's anything wrong. Yeah, he took it from us, but he knows how to do it, and we want to be like that too. So yeah. we it's wouldn't really follow funny, somebody huh? who yeah. didn't yeah. have money. Mackendra uh-huh. so. um, Pruahi says, It is difficult to hear such extensive bad news about our current state of injustice, etc., in Kali Yuga without hearing some balanced remedial suggestions. We have to wait for later classes to hear you speak about what practical means we can adopt, at least in our own lives. Oh, we, we will have to wait. <laughs> it's a question. Uh, well, I can just say here at the end of this class that that uh, that that, that you, you, what what really has to happen is people have to change, uh, and the 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 modes of passion. To, to under, understand Krishna consciousness or even even to be decent, the, the modes of passion and the modes of ignorance have to decrease. There's nothing in any of our programs. Uh, our, our standard of advancement right now is the standard of the mode of passion. Uh, and the result of the mode of passion, it says in the Bhagavad Gita, is misery. Why? Because you you have to you're hyper motivated to accumulate wealth and things like that, uh, to 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 be the enjoyer. I am the enjoyer. I am the controller. Uh, and in the process of doing that, you do really terrible things, uh, and you gotta kind of not pay attention to that. But then what happens is when you actually are successful and you have everything you want, you're going to grow old. You're going to die. And it's not, you missed something. You were looking for something wonderful and it's not there. You're still the same old creep. You can't even stand yourself. Once, once when I was a new devotee, I was going out with my wife and we were shopping for deity clothes and we're dressed in uh, dhotis and saris, you know. And we go to one of these uh, stores, uh, cloth store, get very, you know, very, the people that usually shop for these little stores in Philadelphia are people who high fashion clothes, you know. You know, we're getting them for the deities, so we're really buying like really, you know, opulent stuff. And, 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 and so these people have all wealthy customers, you know. And, and sometimes there's some cloth and I'm going to hold it up next to my wife so she see what she looks like. No, no, it's not for me. Because we're trying to appreciate it, but thinking of it, you know, it's going to be for Radha and Krishna and so on. So, uh, so anyway, we, uh, uh, we met this one guy and he was... Uh, looking at us, you know, we looked at his stuff. And he finally says to me, uh, he says, uh, you know, kid, you seem like a nice guy, but you know what my philosophy of life is? 
he was dressed as a devotee, he's going to tell you something. He says, people stink. <laughs> he said, people stink. And then I looked at him. And I said, yeah, that's probably his experience. Because you could see just from looking at him and his, you know, that he'd probably been cheated by his partners, betrayed by his wife, rejected by his children. And he hated himself too because he realized they had good reasons to do it. <laughs> so people stink, you know. I mean, this is what happens. You, you know, at some level when you've been a total... I mean, you can really work very hard to maintain your illusions, but it 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 takes a lot of psychic energy to do that. And and one person at one level, you know, it's you're 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 lying to yourself, and therefore you try even harder. You know, you become even worse to just sustain the lie. These people are not happy people. They're not. They're not happy people, and they, they do do horrible things. This is because of the mode of passion. The result of the mode of passion is misery. And then, usually, in order to alleviate the misery, they go to the mode of ignorance: uh, alcohol, drugs, other drugs, uh, or just seek oblivion somewhere. Suicide. You know. Uh, you try to do it in such a way the insurance companies don't know it's suicide. But you know, this is these are the things people do. Uh, they're not they're, you can't can't get it. The, the standard of advancement has to become the standard of the mode of goodness. And the 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 only way to convince people is to show it, is to see it because because it's it's long gone. People knew it, you know, even two hundred hundred years ago. Some people knew this. And it was taught, but uh, but but this this idea of, of 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 advancement in terms of money and wealth and property and ownership, what you define a successful civilization, is is, is grab people t- too much, you know, and, and now our success is destroying the whole planet. And we're too attached to it to even take even the most basic remedial measures until we have no choice. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. Well, they can't destroy the planet, but uh, Krishna will do something. But there is supposed to be, you know, a little hiatus uh, in the progress of Kali Yuga because because it's Lord Chaitanya's time. It's golden age of Krishna consciousness, you know. But then it will pick up again. Anyway, that's all I can say. Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu, he asks, um, do you accept the idea that Srila Prabhupada is the Senapati Bhakta mentioned in the Prema Vivarta? I think that's where it's from, or are we still expecting a more prominent Acharya in Kali Yuga? Or is it simply the holy name that is to be the avatar through throughout the rest of the age to usher in the golden age? Then he makes a note. Reference is actually from the Chaitanya Mangala Sutra Kanda Song 12 text. Yeah, there will be a, saint, uh, a, a great uh, general of a, a devotee. 
I like to think it's him. I, I don't, but I, I don't know the future so well <laughs> of, of, of how to apply these things. So I'll leave it up to wiser, uh, wiser, wiser people. Uh, I mean, Prabhupada is I'm, right now. I'm reading Shamasuna's memoir of the of the, the early days in, in, in San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles also. And, when when Prabhupada uh, first came out uh, to, to to the West Coast, you know, and it's just kind of amazing what he did, and, and uh, the, the, the those people uh, were a little bit special because they had gotten suspicious of the prevailing paradigm. You know, they didn't know what to do, but they had gotten suspicious. And they were a little open to look at Prabhupada and say, "What's he got? You know, what what is it about him that 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 makes him uh, so completely self-possessed, so completely happy, so completely secure? He's able to do all these things, and and people are, were attracted to Prabhupada, and they couldn't say why." They just couldn't say why, but something inside the recognized, you know, that, that, that there's something really common, actually. They're all spirit souls, and that was really evident. And the other thing about Prabhupada is he absolutely was unselfish. He had no person motivated whatsoever. And everything he did was to give Krishna consciousness to others. Just to satisfy, it was only motive. It was pure, and that you know, purity has a force. Uh, once Shamasundar uh, summed up the Krishna consciousness movement. I think he was quoting Prabhupada when he, when he said, he, "He says preaching is the essence. Books are the basis. That that's what we really do is to give away Krishna consciousness to other books of the basis. We do this on the basis of uh, the books that Prabhupada has given us and that we are giving to other people. Utility is the principle, that is to use everything in Krishna's service, and purity is the force. That's the force, purity. And, and it really, and it's a force that works. In the absence of what we call false ego, very different from any other force, because it's 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 Krishna's force. And he said, purity is the force. And he just was quoting Prabhupada. He didn't use quotation marks or anything, but you could see he was quoting Prabhupada. And I made a little sign of that and put it on my my uh, office wall. You know that that those four things. Preaching is the essence, books the basis, utility the principle, purity is the force. I thought it was a great... Because Prabhupada at that time, he, he, he had been in London uh, and he had had a debate with the, 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 the uh, secretary of the Mensa Society, that's where everybody had certified genius IQs, and he defeated him. And then he was going to Africa with, with, with Shamasundra and traveling around. And Prabhupada also another thing he said that he said he said this he said I am one person, and see what I have done, and now we are five hundred. I just assume the name of the number of his initiated devotees at that time, initiated disciples. Now each one of you become just like me, 
and imagine what can be done. So if he said something like that, I, I didn't think it was mission impossible. If he says, you become just like me, each one of you, that's what he wanted. Uh, people to, to, uh, And really, the roadmap is there, what to do. And it's a process that anyone who takes it up will find it works. That's why it's a science. It's an applied science of consciousness. People don't. It's not. It's not a. You know. It's not a. It's not a science where you just deal with numbers and abstraction from from experience. It's. But it works. It's replicable. Uh, and so it's a science. That's why he calls it the science of self-realization. Uh, uh, so that that's I think that's the, the 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 remedy that we have, and it will look different. It will look different from the normal kinds of remedies that that, that materialists apply. Anyway, that's my answer. Okay. So next week, same time, same station. And we'll go on with text number uh, three of 12th Canto, uh, chapter two, The Evils of Kali Yuga. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Uh-huh.